Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Well, it is that time of year, graduation time, college, university, high school. Quarter of graduates say they have no idea what they're going to do for their career. That includes both high school, university, and college. Now, I wouldn't necessarily expect high school graduates to know what they want to do with their life. That's kind of why you go off to university to figure that stuff out. Uh, you should have some sort of a a, a clue, though, inkling in mm-hmm. high school, shouldn't you? Did you? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> <laughs> you went no. to university for four years. Right. Your parents spent all that money. Right. Then you went to Humber. Right. <laughs> I found myself here. They, <laughs> did Dad have to write a check for Humber as well, or did you cough that up? Uh, we're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I mean, you should. The problem is, and I've, I've said this before, like, like you know, at that point, remember they had like the general stream and the advanced stream. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about trades the other day, and it, it was like that decision was one that was like being asked to be made at like 13 or 14 years old for some. Mm-hmm. Seems a bit young. Yeah, it is. Most high school graduates say they're interested in attending university or college, but that also includes university and college graduates who already have a degree. They want to go back again. <laughs> I guess like you. Right. Um, but it, it is concerning because I guess, you know, so much money, but I mean, parents really spend and uh, save and Put it aside and plan to pay for their kids' uh, university. I'm still paying for both of mine. So the idea that you would go off to university and blow all this money and have no idea coming out of university what you want to do. Right. That, uh, that for me, I mean, luckily, both of my boys followed what they studied, which I was happy with. I, I, I guess at the end of the day, what are you going to do? I mean, they're going to make their own decisions and they got to do their thing. Well, and listen, in this day and age, it doesn't mean that career is going to be stuck with them either, right? right? Like right. They could, there are many people who take career turns or go back and re-educate later on. It is being said by both uh, well, high schools and university and colleges that we should spend more time preparing kids to figure out what they want to do. I think it's to a stage now perhaps where they go off to university and college to find themselves, you know, go through this maturing process or or not, uh, but r- really kind of use it as a, uh, not a holiday, not a getaway, but more of a, just a, a life experience, not really focusing so much on, okay, this is supposed to take me right. to my career. I think they, they go through the process, they graduate, and then they go, okay, now what am I going to do? Right. Especially if they take kind of vague yes. Well, and, and that's, yeah, that's important too, right? Is deciding what subjects to take and what what eliminates things or, or, or keeps, you know, you want to keep options open as much as possible, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it is, you know, I find it, it, it is a life experience, especially for some kids who have never been away, mm. right? Or never have to live on their own, never, you know, you get that kind of uh, an entry level idea into it. I mean, you've still got like dorms and, and uh, cafeterias that, that feed you, right? right? So you, but it, it does it prove to be a, a very good life experience for many. It, it, the problem is, it is not, you know, 
is that you don't necessarily know, uh, and it can't be guaranteed that you'll be working in what you're going into afterwards anyway. Right. And for so many, I mean, we talk about the the humble bragging and the and the effects of social media on us just looking at people who have more stuff than you do. Mm. Imagine that now at 13, 14 years old when mm-hmm. you're deciding what you want to be. And you see, you know, eight-year-olds who unbox new stuff that make millions of dollars doing it. Or, you know, career video gamers or, you know, career Instagram models. Mm-hmm. And, and try and decide, well, what's my career path to success going to be? Well, Are you going to study and, you know... Uh, try and spend another four or five years doing more schoolwork and maybe more beyond that for a professional career that you don't know you're going to get, or uh, maybe you're going to try and be an Instagram model for the rest of your days. Well, it's interesting that you say that because you remember that, and we'll talk about this this woman in a little bit, but you remember there was the woman who was selling her farts in yes. the jar? Yes. Well, she's off of that. Now she's selling her boob sweat. <laughs> So this is what young people see right. and go, yeah. I can make a career out of that? I mean, even What university teaches you that? I got lots of boob sweat. <laughs> I started selling my Fremunda cheese. It's like jugs of jugs. Yes. Well, and look, I, I would, uh, you know, my parents, uh, I, I paid for, well, I only went to Humber. I paid for that. But again, it was so cheap back then. It was, it was fine. Uh, but I, <clears throat> I think if I was, uh, you know, a young, stu- a young person now, I would feel kind of bad. I think if my parents, you know, I had said all along, oh, I want to be an accountant or I want to be an architect, an engineer. And I went through all this schooling and then decided, eh, I think I'm going to get into home repair. Right. Until they call you to repair their house. Right. And, they, <laughs> and right. you say, hey, aren't you thankful now? So, like, okay, so you're, so you're a good example of this, who, a guy who went to university then decided to go to college and got into the radio game. Did you have a game plan going into university? I want to do this, and somewhere along the way you went, eh, I'm not interested yeah. in that? Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I was going for law. Actually, okay. I was in pre-law, and I, I wrote the LSATs, and I was applying to law schools, and I just, you know, had a change of heart. Mm. And I realized I like law and order. <laughs> Great show. Well, this is not good. If you've got a big Elvis-themed wedding coming up in Vegas, you better have a backup plan because wedding venues in Vegas are now banned from doing them. Doing Elvis ones? Yeah. Really? I mean, and there's actually, you know, there are some chapels there that are fully Elvis chapels. Yeah. Bunch of chapels in Vegas got cease and desist letters last month from the licensing company that handles Elvis's uh, estate. I wonder if this is because the biopic is coming. Maybe if they do any more Elvis weddings, they could face legal action. Why? But why now? That's been going on for years, decades. Yeah, a lot of small chapels in Vegas rely on these weddings to make money. One called uh, Graceland Chapel does over six thousand weddings a year. A bunch of venues have already removed Elvis images from their website and marketing materials, and all the impersonators who officiate these weddings are now freaking out. Wow. They're all shook up, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're probably wow. going to be out of work. It must be something with the biopic. Like, they're cleaning the image and then going to distribute a whole bunch of stuff along with maybe, it. Maybe, maybe, maybe they want all of that out of the way yeah. for the movie. Uh, one couple who booked their wedding a few months ago was disappointed when Elvis didn't show up this past Sunday. Instead, they got a guy who kind of looked like him, but in a leather jacket with jeans and a fedora. 
And the venue's now called a rock and roll themed wedding. I mean, it was such a weird phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could be an Elvis fan. You can play Elvis songs at your wedding. But to have an Elvis impersonator mm-hmm. be the one to officiate your wedding. And why I mean, did that's not what Elvis did. No, and, and it's odd that it was Vegas, and it's odd that it was nowhere else. Right. Like, if it was such a big hit, you'd think other cities would offer it. Yeah. I don't know how it got going. If anybody knows, 855-432-ROCK. I don't know what the... I get. Well, he played there a lot. There's yes. that. When he was alive in the uh, late 60s, or more, you know, up until he died in 76, he was there, like there basically exclusively. Yeah. I don't think he toured much at all in the 70s. Well, except near the end when he was doing like Cincinnati at noon. <laughs> he had Colonel, to pay. Colonel Tom was just, you know, whoring him out for every penny he could get. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing. And I'm not sure why that the... Uh, the licensing company that uh, handles it all has decided, no, we're done with this. But you're probably right. It's probably got something to do with the movie. Right. Because they're saying this movie's going to be huge. They're saying it's, like, really well done, Oscar-worthy, all of this stuff. Well, it was Tom Hanks plays Colonel Tom. Yeah, and an unknown. I think an Australian actor plays Elvis, I right. believe. I, I could be wrong about that. But, it's yeah, it's certainly not a, a, a common household actor name right. that's playing him. So, yeah, we will wait and see what happens there. Damn, I was planning that for my next wedding. (laughs) (laughs) We love having uh, rock listeners chime in on anything we're gabbing about. We had been talking about Elvis and uh, the fact that the uh, Elvis weddings are going to be, looks like, done in uh, Vegas for a variety of reasons. One, I guess the licensing company that owns all the rights has uh, started sending out uh, cease and desist orders. So those churches have packed it in. And we were talking about maybe the fact is the uh, Elvis biopic is coming up and I had mentioned uh, the guy playing Elvis. I wasn't sure of his name. I thought he was Australian. He is, in fact, not. He's American, and his name is Austin Butler. Okay. So, and he's been in a bunch of like Disney stuff and uh, some shows. He was actually he was he played Tex Watson, uh, Watson part of the Manson family. Uh, he played him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Man. Oh, okay. That was probably his biggest role. But yeah, people are just praising him for this Elvis uh, movie. Anyhow, we also started asking, well, why? Why is Vegas and Elvis and the wedding so connected? Right. And uh, we had a gentleman uh, tell us that it's because Elvis was so part of the fabric there. But in 1947, a woman uh, had a wedding chapel. She opened a wedding chapel as a business. And uh, Elvis himself went to visit it 20 years later. Right. And then uh, him and Priscilla, of course, got married in Vegas at the Aladdin Hotel. And so following his death, the owners... Uh, of the chapel changed its name to Graceland Wedding Chapel. And so it was born. Yeah. So I guess because he got married in Vegas, mm. getting married in Vegas became mm-hmm. kind of the theme and all these chapels started to open up. Yeah. And there's different kind of packages that you could get too with it, right? It's not just having Elvis marry you. It's, you know, picking an Elvis song or you could have Elvis walk the bride down the aisle and right. all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Elvis has sex with the bride on the wedding <laughs> night. Include <laughs> that in the package as well if you want. Over a uh, thousand people who are in a serious relationship admitted that they argue quite a bit with their significant other. 97% actually of people said they they argue. I don't know about that other 3%. (laughs) If you're in a relationship where you don't argue. (laughs) They cower in the corner. You can't really love that person (laughs) then if you're not. They mutter a lot. (laughs) You must not be in love if you're not arguing. I would say to Maria... 
The minute I stop arguing with you is the minute you should be concerned because you'll know I've lost interest. Um, a quarter of people say they argue once a year or less. Wow. Another quarter say they fight multiple times a year. On the flip side, there's a few who will argue at least once a day. Now, you have to kind of figure out what is considered an argument. Yeah. There's a there's a scale here. And an aggravation. Like a tiff. Like Maria, I'm sure, is aggravated with me daily. Right. We just don't get into an argument about it all the time. Uh-huh. I'm sure I I uh, she will aggravate me, although I have signs she knows cuz I'll I'll either sniff really loud, suppose which I guess I guess I guess that's a sign offset. <laughs> or of course the big sigh. I'm right. a, I'm a big sigh guy. Uh-huh. You uh you, you have signs that you show that you've uh, you're aggravated. Yeah, there's a deep breath somewhere in there. Adrian has signs. It's fully a sigh. You can tell when she's aggravated with you. Uh, there's usually like like a like a humming or singing. I think <laughs> that usually, I find that often happens in relationships. Right. My mom was famous for that too. Yeah. She would just go ho hum somewhere. <laughs> uh, most say uh, multiple times a week. That's a lot of fight. But again. Again, no, what's I'm the sure scale not. of it, though? Yeah, like, I'm you know, were you fighting over what's for dinner? Or like uh, Debating. Debating. Yeah. That's <laughs> not. Know, all of our arguments are called debates. Yeah. <laughs> but Healthy debates. Yes. Some healthier than others. The most common thing we argue about, and this, this is very true, tone of voice or attitude. Right. And we, we get really up. Like, Maria can give me a look that will just enrage me. <laughs> 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 and I think like the guy at the drive-thru this morning? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to hunt him down today. Uh, or, or, or just, okay, here's one thing. And it's gone on in our marriage forever. Where I'll be dealing with something. Anything, could be banking, whatever it is, I'm right. dealing with it. Then when I'm done dealing with it, and I have what I believe to be the answers to whatever the problem or is, she'll have more questions. Well, did they say this? Did they say? <laughs> did you ask them that? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you do it from now on. Then <laughs> you deal with it. Or if I'm now we're to the point where if I'm on the phone with say our financial person or I'm dealing with life insurance, whatever it is, I'll have her on the phone with me. Right. Like, oh, okay. Please ask the question because I don't have those answers yeah. that you always seem to need. I think we're all guilty of that. I know I certainly am, and probably Adrian too. Like when you're having a conversation with your spouse about like their workplace mm. you know you're in the background not involved in the conversation right but you sound like chuck norris waiting <laughs> in the wings right <laughs> like you know just tell them to screw it and yeah. you're done and you know you're always so tough right when, when you're just talking about it and there's no consequences to yeah. it whatsoever like your plan is always stand up for yourself and oh, you know Tell them to shove it. You don't need it. Meanwhile, we get walked over all the time all the as time. well. And we don't, all the time. We don't do anything about it. What I think we're both guilty of as well at times is, and especially when you have young kids, mm. you'll be upset at the kids for something. Mm. And you won't change the tone when you're done with the kids <laughs> when they have that conversation yeah. with your spouse. You end up saying, what did I do wrong? <laughs> I just came home. Uh, so the most common fights are tone or voice or attitude, money, of course, communication, household chores, family, and amount of quality time spent together. Right. Uh, surprise, not surprisingly, older couples are more likely to fight over attitude and communication. 
while younger couples are more likely to fight over issues like money, life decisions, sex, parenting, and jealousy. Mm. Despite all of it, though, all the arguing, all the ups and downs, marriage is a good thing. It can reduce your chance of an early death by 20%. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm paying for all of this and only getting 20% back. <laughs> Maybe I want an early death. Get me out of this. <laughs> it could be what she's hoping for. Yeah, yeah. The study didn't explain the correlation, but researchers speculate that it could have something to do with two heads being better than one and when it comes to things like health, medical treatment, and even money. So right. You're in it together. It's, well, that, it's that team thing. And also, if we don't have someone who, if they're not telling us to stop doing things that are killing us, mm. then they're actually in the background stopping us in our mind. You're right. From doing things You're right. that are killing us. When you, when you go and you go, <laughs> I, she, she would be very upset with me. Right. That, that's in the back. She would be very mad that yes. I was having yet another pint <laughs> <laughs> at my hider's place. Well, the verdict is in, and uh, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, it's all wrapped up, and Johnny won this one, not by nearly the amount of money that he was looking for. He gets $10 million bucks, and Amber gets $2 million. And I think kind of people, I think they'd be shocked if it went the other way. I kind of felt throughout most of it that people believed Johnny more than Amber. Uh, she spoke about her, how hurt she was and beyond words. And how it's uh, setting back the clock for women to speak out for themselves. Johnny, in a baller move, wasn't even in the courtroom when the verdict was read. Right. Amber was. So that's all done. What are we going to watch now? <laughs> what am I to do with my days now? Go back to serial killers. Yeah. I'm Actually, I'm watching on Netflix uh, The Worst Roommates Ever. That's uh, Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's good. Oh, man. It's good. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith has finally said uh, something, commented on the uh, the slap that happened at the Oscars on her Red Table Talk. She says, my deepest hope is that these two intelligent, capable men have an opportunity to heal, talk this out, and uh, get back together. Um, Reconcile. Yeah, th- there's one side of that that needs to do more of the talking, mm-hmm. you would think. So weird, Will Smith is a part of David Letterman's My Next Guest Needs No Introduction on right. Netflix. And, of course, it was filmed before the slap. But there's a weird moment. I watched it just the other day. And he's talking about his first movie, which was Six Degrees of Separation. But before that, he was offered a movie for, like, $10 million. You know, and he said, I, I never in my life thought I'd. And his agent, he says, his agent said we should turn it down. Wow. For one reason or another. I don't remember yeah. why the reason was. He, the agent was pushing him to do this six, six Degrees of Separation, which in the end turned out to be the right move. It was an indie film, a lot less money, but I guess the agent or the manager thought, no, this is a better move for your career. So Will Smith says, he told me to give up $10 million. I almost got up and slapped him. Oh. He says that during the Letterman. Wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, they again, probably went re-edited to keep that in. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I mean, if I was Will's people, I would have called Letterman and said, can you take that out? Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, I really caught my attention. I thought, wow, that is that is strange. But, uh, yeah, she wants them to work it out. I don't know. There's something that really rubs me the wrong way right. about her. And that's all she said about it, though? Well, yeah, basically. She said, um, the world needs them today. We need them both. Yeah, whatever. You know, all that stuff. <laughs> What does she say during it? That's what everyone wants to know. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, share share what you said or did right. to instigate that slap. Or the moments afterwards. Yeah. You know, it's been months now. Yeah, they, they, nobody says anything. She's, I... I did she even say whether or not she agreed with it or not? No, she said nothing. We need them both. Yeah. Okay. Well, are they going to pay my mortgage? <laughs> what are they doing for me? <laughs> Here's someone we definitely need. Remember uh, Stephanie Maddow? She was the 90-day fiancé who was selling her farts in a jar. Remember her? Right, yes. She ended up in the hospital because the diet she was on to keep that <laughs> fart machine going. Right. And she was making good dough. Huge money. <laughs> like crazy. Yeah. For, for the idea of selling farts. She was making thousands and thousands of dollars. Well, she's off of the farts and onto the sweat. Okay. Pardon me? Mm-hmm. She's now selling jars of her boob sweat. <laughs> they sell for 300 to 500 dollars. <laughs> Come on. But she's run into trouble again because she needs to do to do her work, to do her very important job. She needs to lie by her pool and sweat. <laughs> this is where the world has gone. But a bear started hanging around her yard. Oh. So she had to pause production. <laughs> now she's thinking about investing in an indoor sauna. All right. It's all fun. Look, she came up with this. She's making money. Some idiots buying it. Good on her. But. Here's her talking about it, and there's one comment she makes that really makes me shake my head. I know a lot of you are like, wow, didn't this girl become the number one world's most successful fart jar seller? The answer is yes. Now I have pivoted over to a new market, and that is the cha-cha sweat market. Let's go on to the bad news now. I was in my yard yesterday. I was supposed to be fulfilling orders these next two days while it's really really hot a black bear came into my yard just chilling eating garbage so i am basically a prisoner in my own home i cannot be in my yard doing my job doing doing my work doing what god intended me to do which is pleasing all of my clients and saving marriages and making people happy <laughs> well, there's a lot to unpack there. Oh, yeah. But the, my favorite line is the saving marriages. Right. If all it takes is farts and sweat, we all produce that. I don't need yours. I got my own. How does her farts and sweat save a marriage? <laughs> Babe, I love you. I love this. I love you. But I need her sweat, right. her boob sweat. Uh, have you tried counseling? <laughs> no. Have you tried her boob sweat? And it was God's purpose. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is this is where the whole God thing, you know. Right. No, you mean <laughs> no, I, no, because God put a bear there to stop you from doing it. <laughs> rock mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky, ninety four nine, The Rock.